Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. Have you ever wondered what launching an online store actually involves? Been curious perhaps about what the first year in business can look like as an e-commerce entrepreneur or perhaps wanted to know what strategies work best when it comes to building an audience and making more sales. Well, today's guest will help answer those questions. As one of my students inside the Modern Marketing Collective, Tanya Harrison launched Raja Homewares, a beautiful online store that offers rattan furniture pieces for nurseries in December 2018. In our conversation, Tanya shares what her expectation was when she launched her online store versus what the reality looks like and what she wished she'd done differently looking back. Tanya also lets us into her process of sourcing and even designing her products and how she has grown her Instagram to almost 13,000 followers within a year with sales now coming in more consistently and frequently too through strategies including collaborations, giveaways and showcasing at events. So enough from me. Let's bring on Tanya Harrison, who you'll find online at rajahomewares.com and on Instagram at rajahomewares. So let's just do a quick little intro. I'm really, really excited to speak to you and ask you lots of questions that I'm personally curious to know about. And I know that the listeners will be too, but just give me a quick little intro into yourself and your business, please, Tanya. Sure. My name is Tanya. So I run a business called Raja Homewares and we specialize in rattan furniture for baby and children. Uh, so I launched the business about a year ago and I basically met you, Emily, when I joined your Modern Marketing Collective. Uh, I was basically out there looking to build an online business, uh, get my brand name out there, build that brand awareness, and basically just reach a lot of those mums out there like myself to let them know that we can have nice things, we can have nice, beautiful baby bassinets and nice little kids' chairs. We don't have to sacrifice on aesthetics just because we become mums. So I wanted to know that you know there are nice products out there available for mums and it's also a sustainable long-term product for you rather than having to have those throwaway kind of baby toys that I found was a problem before I launched my business. And it's perfect because you were your target customer as well. So you you knew obviously who you were marketing to and what the messages should be and the aesthetic and that type of thing. And I wanted to ask Tanya to go back to, you've kind of spoken a little bit about why you started the business, but you started it, am I right in thinking you started it on maternity leave with your, was it your third daughter? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So I was actually working in corporate before uh, I branched out into business and I think I'd been at the bank that I was working at for about 15 years and yes I was going to have my third baby I was going on mat leave and I just thought 
you know, I'm sick of that sort of nine to five humdrum. I want to see if I can start my own business. So I'd always wanted to start my own business, but I just sort of, I don't know, I put it off in my 20s because I was traveling and enjoying myself. But then when I wanted more flexibility, that was the time where I thought, okay, this is the right time. I'm just going to do it. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. So yeah, I was going on mat leave with my third, Georgia, and I started writing out my business plan and basically just trying to write a mission and vision and some goals and what my customer avatar would look like. And then I went over and sourced some of these products and basically started the whole buying trip while I was still working at the bank. So basically launched it just as she was born, (laughs) which is not great timing. (laughs) Where did you source from and why did you decide on the Rattan Furniture, Tanya? Yeah, so i Love rattan furniture. I always have. And I had a lot of it in my home, just in things like hanging chairs and, you know, lots of the things you see in magazines and that. But my baby room was still very much like the bory change table and just bory cot. And when I was about to have my third, I thought, oh, you know what? I've sort of outgrown this furniture. It doesn't match my house. I don't really love it. So that sort of became the problem statement for me and I thought well if this is a problem for me then other mums might have this same problem too so hopefully I can source some beautiful furniture that not only matches your house but you know you walk into your nursery for example and you just love it or you walk into your child's room and you love the furniture in there so I wanted it to be inspiring for mums and I sourced it in Bali and I go oh. there a lot on holidays. Yeah, so I knew oh, not, that I could not jealous at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? Why have a business unless I can benefit on the travel oh, side? <laughs> totally, totally. So I'd like to ask now, just to dig slightly into the detail there around. So you decided you were going to launch this business. You you went over to Bali and found your products. How did you go with? I guess your first order, and without really knowing what the take up would be. Yeah, that's right. It was a mixture of things, actually. So one, I went over there and I walked around all the Rattan factories and I had a look at what they were actually showing on display. And some of the orders were based off, I thought, okay, that's beautiful. I'm going to order it and bring it in. And then other designs I actually drew up on paper and I took it to them and I said, can you build something like this? And they said, yes, and they built it. So that things like my change tables, which is actually now my top seller, the ones I designed myself, have been the most popular and yeah some of the things I assumed would sell well actually did it <laughs> so I've learned some lessons this first year interesting okay and tell us about I guess how you started your marketing and how you went about launching almost a year ago now December 2018 the first of December what basically was involved in your launch and so did you have the products there you were ready to go with them talk us through what that looked like So I went about doing the business planning side of things probably six months before the actual launch. So that was writing the business plan, the goals, the mission, the objectives, coming up with a customer profile of what my typical customer would look like, which was sort of based off me and some of my friends and and my sister-in-law and people like that. And then I went over and sourced the products and I waited for them to arrive in Australia before promoting them. So we did a big photo shoot around September I waited for all the images to be ready and then launched a website. So it's been another probably two months, three months maybe, waiting for the photos, building the website. And then when everything was all tied up and perfect, I then launched on Instagram in December. 
And I was just saying to you before, I feel like it could have been a better order than that. What I could have done is potentially produce the products, done a little mini photo shoot in the location in Bali and been promoting some of the products on Instagram and building a bit of a tribe before I actually launched the website. I feel like I could have, in hindsight, built a bit of momentum before launching because I think I thought that I was just going to launch a website and then there'd be a huge influx of people looking at my stuff and then purchasing, but it's not the case. They need time to think and peruse your products, understand the benefits, the brand and all that, and there's probably at least a three- to four-month lead time where they do understand your brand and then start purchasing. So if I had my time again, I would, I, would, I would do the Instagram building before actually launching the website. I love it, Tanya. And it's so funny because um, quite a few people say, oh, I'm launching my business on this date. And I'm like, awesome. What are you launching, basically? And they're like, oh, I'm launching my website on that date. And I'm like, but other people, and this might sound a little bit harsh, but no one else really cares about you launching your website. It's like you need to build your audience so they are excited and ready to buy rather than thinking. And I guess it's, it's, it's a common thing. You thought possibly the same too, that, oh, I'll launch, my website will go live and the orders will start coming in. Yeah, but, not um, the as case. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that actually leads into what did you do then? Like you opened the doors to your online store. Did you have any sales from that or, or kind of what was your process following that? When I launched the website, I didn't have any orders because I hadn't promoted yet. And then I thought once I started promoting by Instagram, that it would happen straight away, but it didn't because I guess no one knows about you. So then I started an aggressive, I guess, attack on how I was going to build my audience on Instagram to then convert to sales on my website. And that's when I started Googling. And I think, Emily, one of your advertisements popped up on my Instagram feed. Oh, look out. (laughs) Yeah, and I clicked through and I went, yep, this chick sounds like she knows what she's talking about. So I signed up. I thought I've got nothing to lose. And then I really heavily got into the trainings and started reading some of your tips and started doing a lot of that stuff. So prior to that, I wasn't doing hashtags on posts. I was just posting without a purpose, I guess. So I'd post like these pretty images associated with my brand, but I guess they weren't really doing anything. So then when I fully did a lot of these trainings, I then learned a lot about influencers and I approached a lot of influencers and those people in the early days, I really appreciate those people because their mums out there too, they've sort of got their own little mini businesses being influencers and they really authentically promoted my brand. So things like beach chairs and little iron mirrors that they loved, they put it out there to their audience and then I found a lot of sales came through from that. That's awesome. And I I know they gave you some beautiful photos too. I remember like your feed is just so beautiful. And some of those photos are, I believe, from those influencers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They do really beautiful photography. And I'd also just paid for a big photo shoot with that photographer. So I underestimated how much photos costed. So the influencers are really good for that as well. Yeah. And and really beautiful in situ type of um, photography for you too. Yeah, and I think I sort of pivoted. Once I realized that I wasn't just going to launch a website and make sales, I sort of, <laughs> all those, all that business planning went out the door. I was like, yeah, right, I'm not going to make those revenue targets my first year. So yeah. then within three months, I'd already re-baselined and said, okay, my main goal for year one just has to be brand awareness. Don't worry about the sales, just get out there, make your brand known to a lot of your target audience. And so then I wasn't so worried about sales. I was more just worried about, 
getting my name out there and then I did things like giveaways and yeah like so you said okay maybe I just need to reassess what plan did you put in place then I actually used your strategy template, you know, the one where you have three good goals girl. and then you, yeah, and then you, yeah, good. and then you, I'm not meaning to plug you in any, anyway, this is just oh, actually how I do Please it. keep going. <laughs> you can cut that part out. But um, I, I basically said, okay, if I'm going to drive brand awareness, how am I going to do that? So then I had all these different streams. So one was PR, one was um, Instagram growth, one was competitions, you know, there was all these different streams and each one of them, I just made sure each month I was doing something little and tactical to get to that bigger goal. So I did a giveaway when I first started. I just chose one of my products that would be popular, which was the Rocking Ram. And mums absolutely went nuts over it on Instagram. <laughs> pretty mummy influences and stuff. So uh, I think it, it got something ridiculous like, oh god i can't remember like six thousand likes or something like that oh my um, goodness tanya I know. yeah it was insane that is amazing me, yeah it got me like a couple of thousand followers just from that one little giveaway yeah um, wow. when i was brand new so then i sort of learned the power of giveaways and i try and do them yeah. pretty regularly because people love to win <laughs> so. yeah absolutely absolutely Tell us about your Instagram then too. You've spoken about you were posting, you were posting daily, I think, at least daily. And um, yeah, it was more sharing the photos rather than having a strategy behind what you were asking your followers to do or building engagement. You're now, I think, just shy of, what is it, 13 or 14,000 followers, which is a huge, it is a huge growth. Like I don't want people to think that that's normal because <laughs> it isn't really. It's it's extremely impressive growth. And I also, as you know, I say that for a lot of people, you don't need that many number of followers to meet your revenue goals. But that was something that you focused quite heavily on. What did you find worked quite well to be growing that audience? It sounds as though working with the influencers, running competitions. Was there anything else in there too that you could recommend to other people that are kind of inspired by what you've done? Yeah, so when I first started posting, I was under that misconception that I had to post every day. So that was really putting me under so much pressure because I kept thinking, oh my God, what am I going to post next? I'm running out of content because I'd paid for that big photo shoot. I had heaps of photos that they were quickly dwindling with having to post every day. And then when we spoke, you were like, no, you don't have to be posting every day. It's the quality over the quantity. And I was sort of like, oh, yes, permission not to have to post every day. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it, it puts a lot of strain on you when you post because you're analysing how many people are liking it and mm-hmm. commenting back on it, and it's a, it's really a time drainer, to be honest. It is, and an energy drainer. It takes energy to maintain that level of engagement and communication and that type of thing when you can just do that a few times a week and then focus on the other important business things. Yeah, that's so true. So now I only try and post three times a week, maybe four. just depends how much spare time I have. But I try to make those posts far more quality. So in terms of just giving back, sometimes I give some tips on how to style a nursery or how to do a boho nursery. And I'm sort of trying to build my tribe that way and, and give them content they want to see rather than always being too markety. I also do some inspo stuff. So if I have an influencer that's just um, used one of my products in her nursery or whatever, I'll post that just as a little um, inspo for some of my audience. And new products and things like that, try and build a little bit of excitement about new products that are coming out. So yeah, I think posting three times a week for me and making sure that I also hashtag it really well. So 
I didn't use the hashtag, I used to just post. And I found even by just doing really good hashtags that work for my audience, I got a fair bit of good growth out of that too. Mm. And I think your products, uh, the type, I know when I have a baby um, <laughs> that I would search for like rattan crib or something like that on Instagram to try and find it. Yeah. So your your business is also a really, really good fit for, I guess, being searchable as well. And also, Tanya, you've done remarkable when it comes to PR. You've been featured in some major, I think, newspapers and magazines and that type of thing. Could you explain how you went about doing that for other people that a lot of listeners will be service-based businesses, a lot or some will be product-based. But I think particularly for the product-based businesses, what you've done could be super helpful for them in terms of learning how they can get the, their products in front of big audiences? So I found a platform that's really useful called Flaunter and they're a PR platform where basically it's, it's hands-off so you don't have to be aggressively pursuing magazines um, and other you know newspapers and things like that for the PR coverage. You basically just upload all of your high-res images onto that site and then those guys who work there will actually pitch your images to the media. And it's all related to what kind of content they're currently after. So at the moment, for example, it's all about approaching summer and Christmas and every all the media are looking for Christmas gift ideas and things like that. So Flaunter will pitch to them, say, my beach chairs, and that's uh, a relevant, you know, cool little Chris, Christmas gift guide. And hopefully the media pick it up from there. So they did a lot of the heavy lifting work for me at the start. And then also I occasionally write my own little, um, at the moment, I just did like a whole series of PR pitches to some of my contacts that I gained through Flaunter just with some images of, yeah, the beach chairs and other little Christmas gift ideas. And I just try and keep it really snappy, really short, little um, punchline to them, like looking for a cute little Christmas gift for Christmas or something like that um, that'll make the most of summer. And then I just suggest the uses like, for example, the folding beach chairs could be used for outdoor cinema or the beach or picnics or whatever. So things like that. The media really love high-quality, deep-etch imagery. So that was one massive asset I think I had on my side that I had a really good photographer who did really clear, really high-resolution, quality, deep-etch images. And the media love them because they can just overlay them in magazines really easily. But that's sort of relevant just for the product, guys. I think just a tip for stylists could be... Like if they've recently done a really good styling job on someone's property, make sure they get the high-res images because that's what they're looking for. Yeah, photography, I say it to everyone, like if you invest in one thing at the start, photography has got to be up there because it really does like just elevate your business and make it, communicate what you're all about, your brand and add, it just makes it look more quality too and it allows publicists, publicity and other people to actually have great images that they want to share. The other thing I forgot to talk about was collaborations. I did heaps of those in that growth stage. So doing photo shoots with other brands, um, competitions with other brands and like your joint post images. So they tag you, you tag them and that's a good way to get exposure to. Yeah, true. Into their um, audiences that are probably pretty similar to yours or want what you have. That's awesome. 
you launched the business, you re kind of assessed where you were at, changed your strategy to build your brand. What has it been like over this past almost a year now in terms of the sales side of things? What's it been like just in terms of has it gradually been building each month? Do you experience those spikes when you, for instance, have PR coverage? I know that you had a major win in terms of being showcased in Three Birds Renovations, one of their latest homes, which was, I was so excited for you. That was so awesome. (laughs) Um, That was a big one. (laughs) And that was through, I think, an existing friendship just to help others understand. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I knew the the CEO who works there. And so that was a nice little in. And then she told me that they were doing a nursery in the latest house. So she gave me a nice little intro. And then they liked the ethos around the brand. And they said, sure, we'll feature your products. So they used a bassinet and a change table in the little nursery as well as just some little accessories like throws and things like that and just a couple of little chairs in their little boys' room. So that definitely spiked sales. <laughs> because I can only have, imagine. <laughs> yeah, three birds have a huge tribe of followers and they love what they do. So I found in particular that change table has just started to fly out the door. I can't get them in fast enough for the demand yeah so I think building that brand awareness in the first six months was key because I guess sales started out slower than what I'd hoped but now we're at a point where the sales are really solid and flow through continuously I guess every week which is what I wanted (laughs) amazing yeah and I was so scared at the start I thought oh my god (laughs) what have I done I've risked all this money started my own business what's my family going to think it's just going to all fail and fall down the toilet (laughs) so it's a massive relief to see it start turning around and going really well it's so exciting and is your maternity leave up do you think you'll go back to your job it's up and I just extended it for another year but I don't think I'll have to go back okay. don't I won't let anyone at your work listening. listen to this <laughs> that's why I'm not saying the name of where I work <laughs> okay. oh it's so good so so happy before we started recording you told me a couple of really exciting things about a new range that you're bringing out and also I think it was maybe a couple of months ago now you showcased at one fine baby which again must have been well I'd like to hear if it was a great brand builder but give us kind of a little update where things are at now to Okay, so we spent a year promoting the brand, getting our baby range out there, which was bassinets, the change tables and all those sort of things. And there's always been Raja as my little girl behind the scenes, you know, and she's a little girl growing up. So the next range we're going to bring out is our teen range because she's at school now and starting to think, okay, I want more versatile furniture that's going to go the long haul. So the next container has things like rattan desks which are going to be super cute for little little girls studying. Bedheads as well. So, And these are designed to last from little girl, like around five up through, you know, late teens. So they're really sustainable, long-term, really good quality pieces. We've got little drawers as well coming. Hopefully the hope is to then grow Raja more and then it will eventually bring out an adult line as well later next year. So I'm already working on those new designs for bedheads, which are really exciting. And I think, Tanya, if I can kind of pull out a couple of learnings for all of us from what you've said is that you did a really good job at the start and and still now, but on focusing and choosing when we talk about a niche, you didn't launch with a whole 
range of different rattan furniture products that covered, I don't know, like the living room and the kitchen and adults and kids. I, I would say that part of your success is that you you went quite specific to start with in terms of you cater for the nursery and for fairly new mums. And now, which is what I recommend anyway, is now that you have a corner in the market, you can actually serve your existing customers. And you've been like, it's so perfect. It's so smart that you've said, okay, where are my existing customers? customers moving now where are they at now what's their next problem that you need to solve so you've solved the problem they had around having a beautiful nursery of products that they loved and their next problem was well my baby girl is growing up I need the furniture for her more grown-up room so it's you've been really strategic with that and um, well done that's awesome (laughs) thank you (laughs) thanks tell us tenure about one fine baby i know other people consider going to some some of these fantastic trade shows if that's what we can call them they they're just an experience aren't they but what you would say if you had any hesitations about i know it would be a bit of an investment in terms of committing to it what did it look like for you So I guess one of the drawbacks of having an online business is you actually don't get to be at the coalface much, like dealing with real life customers. A lot of my queries come through on email and I often say, you come over to my house and you can have a look at the product in person just so I can talk to them about the features. And so that was a big driver behind doing One Fine Baby. I just wanted to get in front of my customers and it is a luxury baby market. So I knew that the demographic there would suit my products and like them hopefully so yes the initial investment was scary because it is it's a lot to outlay for a small business but the investment definitely paid off it was so worth it just to get out there understand what people were looking for get the feedback be able to talk to them and also just the sales that came off the back of it were really solid too so I've just signed up again for next year (laughs) so if you want to come and see us we'll be there Sydney in August so I think I was initially also a bit worried because I'd never done a trade fair and I thought oh my gosh how much styling effort am I going to have to put in are all the other stands going to be just overwhelming with the quality of merchandising but it was actually at a level where it was it was just nice and familiar it wasn't unattainable it was achievable so we just went in there with our products kind of stood for themselves we just did a little bit of styling mock-up and it came out really well so you said that some sales came off the back of one fine baby did you have anything specific in place like giving out a special coupon or was it totally I guess organic or did you capture emails to follow up what did that look like yeah, so I, I ran One Fine Baby Specials, so I did give discounts to the people that made purchases over that weekend just to encourage that sort of scarcity of offer. And then I also captured the leads. So I ran a competition at the fair that said if you sign up to our newsletter, then we will give away this rocking ramp. So we gave away another rocking ramp. Um, and a lot of people, again, wanted to win that. So it was great capturing a lot of those leads because I've been able to send them emails to let them know what's coming out, what's new. And I ended up extending some of those specials, which some people took advantage of. So, yeah, I actually think the lead magnet, the capturing those guys was probably a bigger part of the fair for me than the actual sales on the day. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. They need that time to think and ponder before they make a big purchase. 
And I would say that a lot of the attendees wouldn't be going there specifically just to buy, buy on the day. They're going there to discover brands. And then yeah, like I right. would yeah. then go home and think, okay, how am I going to pull all these pieces together? Who, who did I really like? Do a bit more research and then go ahead and buy. And I love actually, Tanya, how do you know that your lead time from people discovering you to buying is typically around the three to four months? I think that's amazing that you know that. I just get a feel for when they first contact me to when they purchase because I get a lot of customer inquiries coming through about the size of the bassinet, how long people think it's going to last um, for the baby. And then, yeah, I just stay in touch with them. And then because often they'll contact me when they're early pregnant too because they're all excited. (laughs) So they'll contact me. (laughs) Yeah. And then they'll have a thing. They'll get closer to their due date and then that's when they purchase. So, yeah, there's a bit of a life cycle. Saying that, I do get some mums that contact me at 38 weeks and they're like how fast can you send me that oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but generally it's the first <laughs> it sounds like maybe that starting point when you were like okay maybe sales aren't just going to come in but have there been moments that have been pretty tough I know that you are a full-time mum as well you work from home which I can imagine is a, is a juggle you're on mat leave have there been times that have been more difficult or that you've yeah you've you've found quite challenging yeah it's been really hard balancing it all out actually because starting a business I think I underestimated how much time and energy and effort you actually have to put into it and because I was so passionate about it it was like I was just thinking about it constantly (laughs) so I've talked a lot to my family about it (laughs) my hubby is like the biggest sounding board ever (laughs) but then having the new baby and then also the two girls adjusting to the new baby and then meeting the demands of the business it's been a huge juggle struggle this year like I've just been working a lot when the baby's asleep or at night like I don't think I've actually watched television in a year <laughs> but like that's kind of gone out the window because I just don't have the time for it at the same time I knew that it would be short-term sacrifice to get it because I was passionate about it I really wanted to drive it forward and get it going to a level where I didn't have to go back to my day job and because I love it, I, I didn't mind sitting there with wine at like nine o'clock at night doing my Instagram <laughs> or like packing my orders at 10 o'clock at night for the next day to go out. Like I, I didn't mind that because it, it felt exciting and it was all new and I've always wanted to do this. So I think if you're going to start a business, make sure you are passionate about it and you love it because it sounds like a cliche, but it doesn't feel like work. It's actually just like fun. Yeah. But not saying that there are times where I've like been tearing my hair out saying to my hubby oh my god I need help it's lucky I've got my mum who does a lot of my packing and she does so much for me in terms of babysitting and all that kind of thing it's become and my dad helping with photo shoots and like fixing little bits and pieces like it's it's a massive family run affair for sure That's so awesome. And I think as well, from what I can tell, you love the business side of things. And I think that's important too, when you have your own business, like you could be someone that just loves the creative and the furniture, like, you know, the products, but you, I can tell that you enjoy that business side of things too. The strategy are obviously really good at that strategy side of things, which has contributed to your growth. And I think it's dangerous to start a business if you're not really interested in the business side of things. Oh, yeah. I reckon that's more important than the creative side. Like you can have the best product in the world, but unless you've got a strategy for how you're going to get it out there, it's kind of pointless in a way because you need something really driving it. What would you say to someone else that might be starting a business or to your pre-business self 
before you launch? Is there any, is there one kind of key lesson or anything that you would like just go back and tell yourself? Yeah, I think just don't be afraid to start. I think I was trying to be too perfectionist before I launched, like having all my ducks in a row and making sure my website was perfect, making sure I had everything aligned. Whereas maybe if I just started earlier, it would be at the point it's at now earlier. Just get it started, I think, is probably the number one lesson. And then also just, I think, reaching out to a community of other people who have started businesses or know things would have also helped a lot. Like I reached out to you with the Modern Marketing Collective, which helped amazingly and helped me grow my Instagram. But I think even just other people that had been in business, I wish I'd done a bit more talking to them. Because uh, I don't think I understand. I understood how much effort and how much time you actually spend putting in, putting in into growing it. But then again, that naivety probably helps you launch in the first place. There's some good little places on Instagram like Boss Ladies Mindset and some good groups where people meet up and talk about business. And I think having that network, particularly with lots of mums who are starting out in business, the more we connect, the better, I guess. Yeah, one of my favorite things actually about running a business is the friendships, the relationships, the connections. It's just like so exciting, isn't it, to have those relationships with other people that are kind of going through similar stuff. You could just talk all day. It's it's special. I know. Well, Tanya, let us know where where we can find you. I'm so excited for everyone to discover your amazing business, your beautiful products. And also, I guess this one will – actually, this one's coming out very shortly, but you will soon be having your teen range that everyone can check out too. So let us know. How, how can everyone find you? So we have a website, which is www.rajahomewares, and it's R-A-J-A homewares.com and on Instagram we're at Raja Homewares as well and you can just follow the links check out our little info there and yeah and I do markets as well occasionally so I'm doing Cronulla Christmas markets at Wanda that's over the 7th and 8th of December yeah so we, we bring a little range for people to see in person there as well fantastic and everyone that's listening go go over to Instagram follow Tanya at Raja Homewares and also send her a message let her know you heard her on the podcast and what you enjoyed hearing too so Tanya thank you so much for chatting with me. I really, really appreciate you taking the time out. I think baby's asleep, so I better let you go and, um, <laughs> yeah. and check in. Thanks so but, much, um, I really appreciate talking to you too. You're so welcome. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to the Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember, connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.